0: You're listening to The Luxury Item, the podcast on the business of luxury and the people and companies that are shaping the future of the luxury industry. Here's your host, Scott Kerr. For 170 years, the Swiss luxury goods maker Bally has been best known for producing some of the most beautiful and well made shoes and leather accessories in the world. Born in the Swiss Alps, Bally's ties to the mountains and core to its ethos, sponsoring alpine adventures from Winter Olympics teams and early 20th century climbing expeditions, to creating iconic reindeer boots worn by Tenzing Norgay during the first ever ascent of Mount Everest in 1953 with Sir Edmund Hillary. Today, the historically traditional brand is in step with a new generation of discerning clients who appreciate Bally's tried and true techniques and consistent quality. In a move to boost relevancy and growth, Bally recently appointed LA based superstar streetwear designer, Luigi Senior to oversee the creative direction of the brand. My guest on the Luxury Item podcast is Nicola Gerardo, Chief Executive Officer at Bally. Nicola joined Bally in October 2015 and sits on the label's board of directors and executive committee. He has a 20 year plus experience in fashion and retail distribution worldwide. Welcome to the Luxury Item, Nicola. Hi, Scott. Thanks Exciting. for having me. Oh, thank you for joining me. I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to do this. Exciting times at Bali these days. Uh, you know, Bali just appointed Luigi Viasignor as its new creative director to oversee the artistic direction of the brand. The 29 year old Luigi is founder of LA based luxury streetwear brand Rude and is one of the most in demand designers around. How did you finally land upon? Luigi after this long hiatus without a creative director? Oh,
1: listen, this is, this is a funny story. Um, as you know, in uh, the creative process, we, we use mood boards uh, to design our collection. And in the last two to three seasons, uh, Luigi was part of this mood board because we like his uh, aesthetic um, rebalancing really uh, luxury uh, aesthetics, but also street style. So I has been present uh, as a, an inspiration for for the brand in the last two to three seasons. And um, after having worked on the repositioning of the brand, um, as you know, I've been appointed uh, three, uh, three, three years ago, after the last two, three years, I've been working on uh, the repositioning of the brand, on uh, uh, repositioning our offer, our communication, I felt that, uh, it was becoming uh, uh, important to, to appoint a creative director. And this is very naturally and organically that uh, I decided to engage a dialogue with, uh, with Luigi because we simply uh, loved uh, his style. And this dialogue engaged last year, back in September. Uh, there's been an excellent connection between the two of us, between him and the brand. And this is very naturally that we, uh, that we uh, decided to partner. Um, so, as you know, he's one of the uh, rising stars, and you mentioned it, in the industry. We love the fact that he's really an ID generator machine, right, <laughs> and right. uh, also a, really a community builder. And this is what we were looking for in order to be able to, to bring the brand into, uh, into a new era, um, uh, bridging this um, uh, what the brand is known for, uh, more the formal wear, but also to what the customer are looking for today. uh, Something that is more casual, streetwear. And um, his personal aesthetic is really bridging these two worlds. And this is why we've been very interested uh, by his profile. On his side, he has a a true love for uh, uh, craftsmanship, uh, beautiful objects, and he has been um, passionate about uh, our brand, when it has been able to discover our archive, to discover also our um, uh, our um, uh, productions uh, and how we still manufacture uh, our shoes in uh, in Switzerland and the level of craftsmanship that we put into it. So, yeah, it has been a, a love story, and it is very naturally that uh, that we decided to uh, to partner. So I'm very excited, and uh, all the team that is surrounding me is very excited about. Uh, uh observing uh, what he will be uh, coming with in uh, in the spring summer uh, for the spring summer 23 uh, season
0: okay so that's the first that will be his first collection
1: exactly exactly and that we will be showing uh, that we will be showing uh, in uh, in Milan uh, next uh, next September
0: It's interesting we're starting to see a lot more luxury players in the industry rethinking their business strategies and tapping creative directors, with a background in high-end streetwear to appeal to younger audiences. What does this shift overall symbolize to you about what's going on in the industry?
1: You know, there's been a lot of comments uh, when Ruji has been appointed uh, the uh, helm of, uh, of a brand like like Valley, a brand of heritage, 170 years of history, very known for its craftsmanship. And uh, a lot of people have been commenting and been very interested about uh, this company appointing a creative director that is coming from, between brackets, a streetwear background. But I found particularly interesting the latest article from, uh, one of the latest articles from Vanessa Friedman mm-hmm. in uh, the New York Times, So it's in, uh, which is, uh, the title is Why streetwear, uh, Why streetwear is Dead. Right. And I think that this is very interesting that uh, now streetwear is uh, an integral part of, uh, of our industry, it's not only uh, a style for a certain community, for a certain group of age, for uh, a certain geography, this is something that is now across our industry and that's really identify a, a shift uh, in our industry that shows a kind of uh, democratization, uh, accessibility, and also tapping into what is today culturally relevant. So as far as I'm concerned, I have not tapped a a designer that is coming from streetwear. I have tapped a designer that, uh, yes, has a background in streetwear, but that is much more than that today. Mm -hmm. So I think that this is part of their curriculum. And this is very interesting that the industry now is... uh, is, uh, is considering this generation that are bringing something fresh something very new to our to our industry no as far as I'm concerned I'm very excited about him uh, enabling us to um, to reach a new audience um, uh, because with his tone of voice he would be able to to tell a story about our heritage our, about our uh, values in a in a much different way much different fashion that we are used to and in a way that will be relevant for an audience that the brand has been uh, 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 struggling to, uh, to tap. So uh, I'm, I'm very excited about this moment. And um, I think that uh, it's very interesting, the trend that we observe in the industry right now.
0: You know, a luxury brand today is of course about heritage, craftsmanship, and creativity, but it's also about values. How would you mm-hmm. define Bally's values?
1: Well, you know, we are around since 1851. Uh, so right. uh, we have been <laughs> celebrating 171 years yeah. of shoemaking uh, in Switzerland. Uh, so this is something that is obviously one of our characteristics. We were born as shoemaker. We have continuously been producing shoes in Switzerland. This is something that I am particularly uh, attached to. Um, our Swiss made, um, keeping this know-how that uh, that we have in um, in Switzerland for for shoemaking. Um, but this is a brand also with as you can imagine 170, 171 years of history this is a brand that has been able to continuously adapt, evolve. Uh, this is uh, one of the value uh, of Bali that goes very well with with Swissness where. If you associate, if you try to list what was the value that was the most associ- associated to, to Switzerland and to Swissness, uh, there is definitively the innovation. And Bali has been able to constantly adapt, evolve, innovate in order to be to go through these 171 years of, uh, of history.
0: Yeah, was saying it's storied heritage has been a real key narrative for the brand and often mining its heritage as an inspiration for any new collections. So how does... How does Bali do the great balancing act of blending the past and the future, you know, heritage and cultural relevance?
1: As uh, you say, this is a fine this is a fine balance. Uh, this is a fine balance to find bef- between leveraging, hammering this heritage without being boring. And this is really where, with which Jesus is coming in, uh, in, in his ability to tell a story uh, about our heritage in a completely new fashion, in a new way, and to be able to decode the to decode, bad it decode. It's 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 uh, it's it's to to uh, a new generation of customers, but also to to tell the story to existing customers to our existing audience in a different uh, in a different way. This cultural relevance is, uh, is particularly important, but there are also new elements that are, that are coming. Uh, and our, our customers are demanding more and more for, from their brands. There are certain topics um, that are must right now, uh, must have for, for the brand. And I'm thinking of in particular to sustainability elements. Also what we are doing around the diversity, equity, uh, inclusion that needs really to happen at every level of our, of our business. So this is something that is important for us. Uh, but also very important to the next generation of uh, of Buddhist customers. So we have engaged in important effort to continue to be culturally relevant uh, beyond our core business. and I'm thinking in particular to to efforts on uh, on on sustainability, on our corporate social, social responsibility in supporting the world of arts. For instance, we have now we have been celebrating this year the 15 years uh, of our foundation for art and culture, uh, but also in education. And also in mountain preservation, we are talking about the values. And obviously mm-hmm. as, as a Swiss brand, you associate immediately uh, Switzerland with the mountains where we, we were born. So we also feel that this is part of our responsibility. So the, all these elements that are important to the new generation and which they are expecting a brand uh, to, be, to be very active. So this is, I think also how you manage this cultural relevancy that you need to have as a brand, but also leveraging on what is true to the brand, what is part of its history.
0: And you joined Bali in 2015 as Chief Operating Officer and moved into the CEO role at Bali shortly before the pandemic struck in 2019. Luxury brands had to adjust their business strategies to solve the new challenges that they were faced. What was the state of Bali's global e-commerce platform at the time? And how aggressively did you have to accelerate your digital transformation? So
1: you, you mentioned that, they just to- just before the pandemic, I took over the CEO or just before the pandemic. In terms of digital, there's been a, a you know, in a forced manner. Uh, there's been, but also it was strategic. There's been a strong push on uh, on digital. So we already had a, a solid platform at the time, uh, but we have been growing digitally very uh, very fast. To give you some numbers, we've been moving from 11 percent, 10, 11 percent of our sales online to almost 30 uh, percent of our sales online. Uh, So a strong push digital, but the strategic, but also forced digitalization of the company uh, has not been applying only on the transactional part. Uh, It has applied also on all our core processes and think about uh, during the pandemic, we are not able to present our collections to our partners, to our wholesale partners. So we had to very quickly because simply they were not able to travel. So we we had to quickly put in place solutions to give them the possibility to experience our collection and uh, in 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 a manner, in a fashion that is roughly... Uh, identical to the one that they have when they're physically present in our showroom. So we we put in place a virtual showroom uh, extremely quickly that has delivered great results where our partners have been extremely happy with what we put in place, where they were able to see the products with a high level of detail, 360 degrees, to experience them, to have a great quantity of content also about the brand, about the new collections, but also to go through the more administrative parts. So really to have along the value chain, uh, to have all the process being digitalized. So this making an example with b 2 B2B business and with our wholesale partner, we can do also examples, and the same has applied for the so way we are presenting to our uh, to our audience, to press uh, our our collections. Obviously, we have been expanding also uh, our e-commerce presence and opening new platforms. So since 2019, we have been expanding uh, in China on uh, on Timor, on the Luxury Pavilion. We have now a great presence there, and this. Digitalization also applies to the storytelling, to our investment online, uh, and also the integration between online and offline. Making an example, for instance, with the live streaming, that has been something that has been very successful, especially in in Asia, that we've been launching, launching in 2020.
0: You know, there's an interesting phenomena that's been going on in the past couple of years, and the pandemic probably accelerated as the demand for luxury goods in the U.S. is such that we're seeing a number of luxury brands expanding within the U.S. that would be considered not primary markets, but very strong local markets like Denver and Troy and Scottsdale. These are new cities that have strong pockets of wealth. And you said in an article that during the depths of the pandemic, Bally was generating surprisingly robust online sales in these secondary markets like Austin and Houston, would Bally consider expanding its retail footprint in these smaller locations?
1: Absolutely. I'm not sure that it will qualify them, again, secondary market or, right. or smaller location. Uh, but um, definitively, from a European standpoint, these are not the cities that you would Consider at first that will come to your mind first when considering about expansion in the uh, in the US. But you know, during the pandemic, it was very interesting to see where our sales were coming from, and they were coming from areas where we had no retail presence. So we we really changed our approach uh, in order to understand where um, our customers are and where, how to get closer to them. Digital is important. Uh, absolutely, we are going through uh, digitalization, but I don't think at all that uh, the store and the role of the store, that the store is dead and the role of the store needs definitively to to evolve and being closer to our, uh, to our customers is absolutely fundamental. So we are. I'm right now in the US, I'm in New York, and uh, one of the uh, purpose of the visit was to, to seek for, for, for locations and we are absolutely looking uh, in, this, in these markets. And as you rightly say, the pandemic has changed a lot of things, I that many people have reviewed the way they want to live. Remote working has an impact. They have been moving from big cities to smaller, between brackets, smaller cities. So we have been observing. Um, uh, and this is something also that has been reported everywhere in the press. But this this uh, second tier city that have been uh, booming, and this is something that we have been experiencing. So we have, for for instance, opened recently a new uh, a new store in uh, in Miami in uh, in Bal and uh this is something that uh, this opening also represents uh, where the brand now wants to uh, wants to be uh, in environments that uh, are not only a succession of uh, of luxury shops but that are environment where there is a good merge and combination between art culture foods uh, cultural engagement and uh, to be in hub in lifestyle hubs closer to our customer because there is something also priority for Bali, but of also- for the rest of the luxury industries, to, to tap the local the local customer. Our We know that our industry has been um, investing uh, heavily on uh, the tourists uh, that were a large chunk of sales in the key uh, luxury cities in the world. And post-pandemic, we know that the tourism is still struggling to uh, to recover. So we need to focus on uh, on uh, the local customers, which is more and more important. And these cities or these hubs in which we want to open uh, are representing our desire to engage again in a better way with uh, these local customers.
0: Yeah, and Bally opened three flagship stores in the last year, you know, one on Regent Street in London, one in downtown here in the Meatpacking District, and third one in Sydney's George Street. Are they all concept stores? You know, what is Bally's flagship store strategy?
1: So as you say, we we opened in 2021 three three stores, one in New York in Meatpacking, another one in uh, London uh, in Regent Street and uh, another one in Sydney, uh, in George Street. Uh, so this we consider these three stores being flagship stores. Um, in 2019, in Milan, in Monte Napoléon, we have opened what we call the Bally House concept. Mm-hmm. This is our new flagship concept that we, now we are rolling out. We want these stores to be much more than transactional. So the way we, the way we have designed these stores is to provide to our customers much more than only products on shelves, but to to be able to have other kind of engagement with our customers might be talks in the store. So for instance, we have uh, furniture that are flexible enough to be able to organize talks in our stores, discussions with uh, with, uh, with panels. We can have also a form of cultural engagement. For instance, in London, we had uh, uh, art exhibition in our store. And this is a new way to engage with our customer. I- I'm a big fan of, and I've been promoting a lot of digitalization in the company, but uh, the physical engagement and the relation, the close relation with our customer is absolutely fundamental. And in a world where a large chunk of our, the business is now digital, and that you can get you can get from your iPad, your your computer, your iPhone, you can get access to whatever you want from wherever in the world. You need to rethink really absolutely the role of the store and what you, what is the purpose of the store. And one of the purpose to me is to engage on a completely different layer with our with our with our with our customers. So this needs to be to be reflected in in the design in uh, of our store, and this is what we try to do in uh, in industry stores that. Uh, that uh, you uh, you listed. So mid-packing, for instance, that is in this cultural uh, hub uh, where you uh, you find much more in our store than just uh, product on
0: shelves. You were talking about China for a second before, and China mm-hmm. is Bali's largest market worldwide, and you continue to invest heavily in multi-channel opportunities in that market. And not long ago, Tmall Luxury and Women's Wear Daily named Bali mm-hmm. as one of China's most innovative luxury brands. What is it about the Bali brand that makes it so popular with Chinese consumers?
1: We have a very strong brand equity there and awareness as we have been one of the first uh, luxury brands entering the market in the 80s. Um, There is a fact also that uh, our customer there and our audience really loves our Swiss heritage. What does it mean in terms of craft, in terms of leather craftsmanship and also quality of products? So this is something that they are very uh, they are very keen on. We have been highlighted as one of the brands performing uh, uh, the better uh, physically, but also digitally, as we have heavily invested there. Uh, we have been one of the first brands moving, for instance, on uh, on luxury pavilion. We believed into it and we invested, and we had we keep this competitive edge being having been one of the first brands adopting this um, this new um, this new platform. What, what we have what we have done in order to, to achieve that we have first and foremost reinforced uh, as a local team uh, this is a market that is uh, very different where the technologies where the platform are not the same like the western world and you need to rely on a strong local team to be able to guide you uh, and uh, this is what we have been doing in 2019 in reinforcing our our team there, we have also been partnering uh, uh, with people, local people there, local agencies to guide us at uh, at best. And we have been increasing strongly also our digital spend. You were mentioning WW you mentioned as uh, one of the most successful brands on on, on Timor, and uh, we have been increasing uh, vastly our investment on this on this platform. But also, and this is one, this has been one of the key uh, key factor in. Uh, in adapting to the local demand and creating local content creating local capsule this is this has been something that has been a, that has been a winning factor i would say also that we have adapted this is a market that has also evolved a lot if i'm looking at uh, market the Chinese customers were used to, to travel a lot we had a strong presence in uh, in airports with the pandemic this has changed a lot but also has created new opportunities we all have in mind the Hainan um, Sanya Island, where there's been a very strong um, duty for business that has been uh, that has developed and we have also adapted on that uh, in that uh, in that sense now looking ahead uh, in terms of priorities we will continue to uh, really to adapt to this market that is uh, evolving and we know the situation right now in, uh, in China, which is a difficult situation with a uh, certain uh, important cities still in lockdown. So we are adapting. Yeah. We continue to invest strongly on, uh, on, on digital. And we see also a continuous evolution of the technologies there and continuous evolution also of the habits of our customers with, uh, with platforms, uh, new platforms evolving and emerging every, uh, every day.
0: Last year, Bally honored its 170 year shoemaking history as architects of leather with a digital campaign titled My Craft, My Legacy, featuring the company's expert artisans. The campaign featured a series of portrait photographs of the artisans alongside the instruments of their craft. It gave the public really a rare opportunity to meet these craft people. How did the idea for that campaign come about?
1: From a visit in the archive. Uh, During the pandemic last year, I've been doing a visit in the archive. we have archives that are, that are just incredible. We are talking about 170 years of, uh, of history. So uh, we have more than 35,000 pair of shoes. We have uh, incredible collections of posters of art pieces. And um, visiting our archive, I have stumbled upon these collections of, of, uh, photogra- of, of photog- photography where it was back in the forties where uh, uh, Bali decided to photograph all its employees not in a, it was an artistic project. It was to pay homage to employees and I decided to reprodu, reproduce it, uh, especially in a moment where we were in the middle of the pandemic, where uh, I think it was uh, to pay a tribute to our employees in this moment, a very particular moment. Um, and especially the one, the, our artisans that are making the ascent of Bali. I think it was something that uh, beautiful to be, uh, to be done. Something that we presented during, uh, uh, it was back in September 20, and the feedback has been just great. So it was designated to be only a communication aimed at uh, more corporate communication, but Mm -hmm. the the feedback has been so great that uh, it became a customer-facing communication. So this is how this idea came, and it has been highly appreciated by our artisans. They were all extremely proud to have their pictures, to have their photos in, uh, in our uh, communication campaigns.
0: How does an artisan-based business like Bali mix craft and new technologies like AI and robotics and still maintain its Swiss-made reputation? If, if,
1: you, if you would visit our, our factory, you would be extremely surprised to see the very high level of uh, manuality uh, in our uh, in our factory, um, we produce between one hundred fifty to two hundred thousand pair of shoes per year in Switzerland in our factory. Uh, but the level of manuality is still extremely uh, extremely high because this is also a guarantee of craftsmanship and uh, and quality. Um, but it doesn't mean that because you respect certain way of doing certain processes that have been, been part of your tradition past uh, that you cannot innovate. And as I told you, that is a story of innovation and there's been constant innovation uh, during, uh, during this, uh, these last decades. So AI uh, is one of uh, one of the uh, innovation. We are looking, for instance, at uh, 3D prototyping. So today we want to develop a product. you have a sample, prototypes, samples, how to replace that with uh, 3D uh, 3D modeling, 3D proto- prototyping. This is something that has a benefit in terms of creativity, as you can test multiple iterations of uh, color derivations uh, of materials, but at the same time, benefits in terms of sustainability. You avoid to produce a, um, a product um, and uh, you, Positively impact your, your footprint uh, in terms of uh, AI. Also, we are using AI to better forecast and to produce less to have less leftovers for the same amount of uh, same amount of sales. So, to me, tradition and innovation are not antagonists at all. Uh, what is considered to be our tradition today? <laughs> very probably was what's considered to be innovation 50 years ago.
0: So I want to talk to you about the metaverse, which seems to be on everybody's mind these days. So the metaverse is a revolution (laughs) in the digital world and luxury brands like Gucci and Dolce & Gabbana and Burberry have already boldly embraced it in various ways. So what are your thoughts on the opportunity for virtual luxury goods? And will we see Bali playing in this space?
1: Uh, first, first, personally, I'm trying to educate myself a lot and staying very <laughs> alert. <laughs> we are all talking about metaverse, but uh, I'm not sure that we are all very experienced into it. And personally, I'm trying to understand better and better what is what does it mean. So, uh, to translate that, not pushing back at all on the on the opposite, I mean, we are very very alert and we are monitoring. Um, I think this is an opportunity for brands uh, to be a, to enter a new territory to tell new stories. Uh, however uh, this needs to be done in my in my opinion in a a very meaningful way we don't want with a team to to go into the metaverse or to get nft if this is not something that is meaningful and i don't want to do uh, we don't want to have any any initiative on that side that are just to be part of the bandwagon or or, or that are marketing gimmicky so we are alert we are looking at there are interesting things Um, we have we are promoting innovation and we have many every year sponsoring an award the fashion innovation award we are the main sponsor and we have been defining also where we want the startups to uh, to pitch for this uh, for this uh, fashion innovation award and last year it was about uh, digital fashion and uh, augmented reality and we have been presenting very interesting uh, solutions for brands to enter this uh, this metaverse so Long story short, we are very alert. We are looking at it, but we will enter into it only when we will be finding something that we that we consider to be very meaningful for our audience.
0: And more luxury fashion labels are now turning to sustainable vegan leather alternatives made of pineapple, mushroom, mm. palm leaves. Mm. Last year, Bally launched a collection of eco-friendly products made from materials like vegetable tan leather and pomegranate dye. In what ways is Bally working to be sustainable?
1: In many ways. Um, we, we, we have launched in 2019 uh, our sustainability roadmap. It started first with an assessment to understand where we are, where we, are, where we were, and uh, building together with a team a roadmap to understand where we want to be. Um, and the starting point is really uh, the transparency uh, to me. Uh, to uh, go on our website, you have our roadmap, you get our sustainability reports, uh, that are stating clearly where we are right now. The CO2 emissions we have quantified, also our targets based on the science-based targets to uh, to to know exactly the CO2 emissions of Bali right now, and we have taken commitments to reduce this, uh, this emissions, and this is phased. Uh, this is phased. So um, sustainability is really at the top of the agenda. Uh, I think that if we uh, look also at uh, our values and also connect with. Uh, with Swiss values, I think that um, business ethics is uh, is uh, is uh, absolutely a, a priority, being for people but also for the environment. So we are we are absolutely conscious that the greater transparency is leading to also greater accountability. So this is why we are we uh, we disclose uh, a lot. Uh, but, uh, we uh, we really want to be a part of the. the solution and not the problem. We know that our industry, unfortunately, one of the most polluting industry, um, and uh, we need to change that drastically. So this is why in 2019, also Bali decided to be one of the early signatory of the fashion pact, you know, this initiative, Mm -hmm. that groups, um, fashion groups and fashion companies to get out of the competitive field on this very specific topic, and to work together uh, across different uh, different objectives. And one of the objectives is to, to reach the net zero by uh, 20, uh, 2050. So concretely, what we are doing, um, we have been moving and investing in renewable energies. Uh, today, 75% of the energy consumed used by Bali is coming from renewable energies, solar panels and so on. we also introducing, and we have, a plan to increase more and more the share of sustainable materials in our collection. Uh, we have reached uh, more than 30% of materials that are considered as sustainable that we include in our so-called preferred material list. And all the product development team and the design team are, are focused on that objective. To season after season, to increase the share uh, of uh, preferred materials in our in our lines. You 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 mentioned. In your in your in your in your question that we have been replacing uh, a certain of our lines, there is our bestseller that was a line uh, of main accessories that was produced with PVC that we entirely uh, redesigned and uh, replaced with uh, regenerated leather. To be on this topic on topic of sustainability, uh, need to be very uh, very concrete and I wanted to give you two examples of uh, what. The brand has been doing recently, but obviously much more is to come and we have ambitious objectives to make a better Bali being being greener.
0: Since Bali's founding in 1851, the brand has instilled a strong sense of social responsibility to preserve the stunning mountain environments into which its own identity is woven. Can you talk about the Bali Peak Outlook Initiative, which includes cleanup expeditions to Everest and other Himalayan mountains?
1: Yes, this is, this is just an incredible story. Um, you mentioned Bali, born in the Swiss mountains, um, uh, historically has a bond, a strong tie with, uh, with the mountain environment and, and sponsored many expeditions. Uh, and as you probably know, the first man on the top of the Everest uh, was Soren Monilary and Sherpa Denzim Norge. Uh, one of these two men was wearing... Bali reindeer boots uh, during the first ascent of the Everest in 1953. And since then, Bali kept uh, with the Tenzing family, a very strong bond, strong tie. And back in 2019, we've been alerted uh, by his son, by, the, by Jamling, together also with uh, another connection of us with uh, Dawah Stephen Sherpa. We have been alerted on uh, the vast problem of pollution in this extreme mountain environment, represent the Everest from base camp to, to summit. And we have been asked to help them to provide our assistance to do a first cleanup initiative from base camp to the summit. It was the first time that this was done. Uh, and Dali has provided assistance to this group of people that were committed to very committed to preserve their, uh, their own environment. Uh, and this is how uh, we uh, led the first Dali Pick Outlook initiative collecting two tons of garbage from uh, the base camp to the to the summit. The feedback on this initiative was so great. Uh, it was so genuine because of our historical bond with this part of the world. Um, it was an initiative also that was so uh, highly appreciated by our employees and also our other stakeholders that we decided to to continue and to have a long-term approach to incorporate a foundation, the Balipi Outlook Foundation, and that has a mission to preserve the mountain environment. So since then, we have we run many expeditions collecting seven tons of uh, garbage uh, from the base camp of the Himalaya, in the Himalaya region, so Everest, but also the other uh, 8,000 in, um, in the region. We don't stop there. We have other projects uh, still in the Himalaya region, but also in other regions in the world, uh, always serving our, uh, our mission, the, the mission of this foundation to preserve mountain and mountain environment. So talking about, for instance, Kilimanjaro region, the Mount Fuji, always partnering uh, with local communities. This is something that is a uh, uh, key for this, uh, this, uh, this foundation.
0: So if you were to put a title of this next chapter for the Bali Brand Book, what would you call the chapter?
1: I would call it uh, Decoding Valley and we we discussed about at the beginning of the podcast about uh, this um, this new creative director and this is what really we are expecting uh, where we are expecting him is to be able to tell uh, our history our genuine history in a much different uh, manner uh, and to reach uh, a new audience to tell about the Swiss heritage um, that he is embracing and to tell it in a in a joyful manner, in a playful manner that reach a, uh, a, new, uh, a new audience. So Decoding Bali definitely will be the, the title.
0: So Nicola, my final question is the luxury item question, which I ask all my guests. So if you were stranded on a deserted island and you can only have one luxury item with you, what would that luxury item be? It can't be any form of air transportation, of water transportation. It can't be anything that requires mobile service so you can call somebody to get you off that island. It's just you by yourself on this lonely island out in the ocean somewhere. What would that one luxury item you would like to have with you?
1: Uh, Without thinking twice, it um, (laughs) (laughs) it would be an item that has a function um so and it will be my uh my camera my leica camera I'm a big big fan of photography i uh, I would definitively take with me my uh, my leica um this is a beautiful object um with a also and a good parallel with a body with a very high level of craftsmanship into it uh, but an item that has a function and that served one of my passions which is uh which is photography so definitively will be my uh my latest uh, my latest camera i just hope that i will have also a computer in order to be able to see my pictures
0: nicola gerardo chief executive officer at bally thank you so much for joining me on the luxury item thank
1: you scott it was a pleasure
0: that's it for this episode of the luxury item podcast thank you so much for listening if you found this useful and entertaining i would be really grateful if you can share it with a friend or colleague I would love it if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other listeners find us. The Luxury Item Podcast is a production of Silvertone Consulting. I'm your host, Scott Kerr. Until next time.